0: And then if you go to our website, spiritualityadventures.com, you can make a one-time donation, or with a monthly subscription, you'll gain access to our bonus content. We greatly appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in. Welcome, everybody, to Spirituality Adventures. We're so glad you're joining us on this episode, and I'm so excited to interview Heiwa Nobushi. Pleasure to be here. Welcome to Spirituality Adventures. Thank you, my friend. Uh, I, I started this out, you know, because uh, I just wanted to interview people from all walks of life about everything that they love. But I always like to include, you know, spirituality. Yeah. And so sometimes the spirituality part of the conversation is a little just a, a minor part of it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's almost like the whole the whole thing. But I would say your your journey has been a spiritual adventure your whole life.
1: Yeah, yeah my whole life.
0: Yeah. Just as I've, uh, you know, gotten to know you a little bit. Um, so I'm I'm going to give just for those who are tuning in. Um, just we'll get to this, but Bushi uh, grew up in the Black Baptist tradition. Yeah. Uh, he has been in military. Mm-hmm. the Marine. He is a black belt. He is in the, uh, martial arts. He is also now a, a Buddhist teacher. Yeah. And so his journey has been one of a spiritual adventure, I would say. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> indeed, indeed. And it's, and it's still going. So, yeah. so excited to, to unpack some of your story with our audience. And, and thank you so much for joining us. Glad to be here. Glad to be here. Yeah, so let's let's start. You know where you were born and kind of give us a little feel for your growing up years and mm-hmm. uh, how yeah. that led to your old, your early sense of calling into like pastoral ministry. Yeah. So I was uh,
1: I was born in West Palm Beach, Florida. Um, my mother and father uh, were very interesting people that were very uh, church going. My grandmother was a minister and she was the one who actually uh, encouraged me into ministry. And I often tell this story about how that came about. My grandmother, being a black woman in the black Baptist church, uh, was relegated to the status of you're not quite a minister, (laughs) even though she was doing ministry and wanted credentials to preach and whatnot. uh, Many of the men folk didn't want that to, to materialize. Uh, And, and my grandmother decided when I was about six years old, that she would, uh, she would somehow or another get these, get these men to give her an opportunity. And uh, so what she started doing was she started teaching me at six seven, eight, nine, ten, all the way up until um, I was able to stand on on the uh, uh, on the carpeting, not on the, sh- the, the, the footstool up in the pulpit. Um,
0: yeah, that, and pul- that pulpit is sacred space. It, it, it's
1: sacred space. And it's interesting yeah. that a little six year old black boy it <laughs> could, could get up there, but my grandmother couldn't. She was, uh, yeah, she was, she was told we, if you go.
0: <laughs> we were doing a joint service with the largest African-American church in Kansas City is a Baptist uh, church. And one of my female pastors just walked right up behind the pulpit, started speaking. <laughs> and they were like, whoa, whoa. Lightning, lightning's going <laughs> to. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it, you
1: destroy the whole temple doing that stuff. <laughs>
0: Yeah. So you could do it, but she couldn't. Yeah. and and Most of my white audience doesn't understand that. That black church, that the pulpit is reserved for the anointed ones. Yeah. That's holy ground. Holy ground. And some of the black tradition doesn't allow women behind that. pulpit. That's right.
1: Still to this day. Yeah. There there are many women, great preachers, great teachers, great evangelists who have, have never, within the structured uh, institutional Baptist church, uh, set foot in the pulpit. Now, they can preach like my grandmother all day long from down there where the lady reads the notes (laughs) and the birthdays. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? Yeah. 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 So that was um, that was my beginning. My grandmother decided that she was going to teach me how to uh, read her bio. And, you know, this was allowed. OK, put the little boy up there. He can read your few credentials and whatnot. And then she would she would uh, speak from the floor. Well, she taught me how to enunciate and pronunciate and taught me some big words. And then I was able to say them very well. Um, and what happened was uh, she would dress me up on those Sundays that she would preach and I'd have on a nice suit and a bow tie or a necktie. And uh, I would really give it all I had to make her sound good. And so people started coming uh, more and more on the Sundays that she was preaching just to hear this little boy. And uh, eventually what happened after several years, uh, she was she was granted, you know, um, ordination and she was given the right to preach. And it, it didn't stop me from introducing her. So I, I developed a great deal of my ministry understanding my ability to public speak, and I'm quite the introvert, mind you, uh, to public speak from uh, those experiences early on uh,
0: by with mm. my grandmother. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, so interesting. Mm-hmm. So, at some point, though, you 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 decided because you got a master. Did you get a? Yeah, go
1: I've to, got the two two masters, and my PhD is in systematic theology.
0: Yes. Wow. Ta- where did where did you do your education at?
1: New Hope Bible College, which is a a institution here in the state of North Carolina, very well known uh, Southern uh, Southern Baptist Bible College. And Mm -hmm. I also attended Brighton University, uh, which was stationed in Hawaii at the time. They later moved to Missouri. Um, It is a defunct school now, um, and they lost their accreditation and other things. But I was able to secure uh, a Masters of Sacred Theology there. And also my PhD in systematic theology before they closed.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, and were you pastoring? I was while going through doing your education.
1: I was, it was the, it was the basis for uh, learning and exploration. Uh, I worked out a great deal of my uh, intellectual theories about theology and religion and things of that sort um, while pastoring and, it was early on in life, however, uh, I think I may have been maybe 13 or 14, that um, I, something didn't quite add up. Um, I, I, I watched my grandmother, who was a, a ridiculously gifted uh, preacher, uh, from the pulpit, and she had all of the ecumen the, the, the and, and the ethos of a preacher in the church. But at home, she was and she was an entirely different uh, different person. She she used language and she drank a little bit and she she uh, she chewed snuff, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know. And so, to your grandma, yeah, right. So, yeah, grandma, right. And I think at you know because I was developing at a young age and I was really getting into what I was doing. People were responding, and so this gave me a sense of this is the right thing to do. I'm I'm on the right path. I started really, really getting into, uh, the phase of, I believe, I believe, I believe. Uh, but what was uh, somewhat of a detour sign, um, was the way that my parents, uh, lived. They were, they were human when they were home and then they were holy when they were at church. And so, uh, to children, you know, sometimes that's a, that's a conflict. Uh, And it it was for me. I often say now that, um, we're all victims of the post traumatic stress disorder of our parents and so <laughs> yeah early on i developed this uh, yeah. this understanding that there's something there's something not quite right about yeah. the religious experience and the human experience
0: yeah you, you know i know when i started my church i tried to i tried to build a church that that um, I would have called it down to earth spirituality, but where we didn't play that game of, you know, you put your Sunday yeah. best on your Sunday yeah. smile on your, yep. you could have just had a massive blowout argument on the way to church, but then you walk in the doors and everything's great. You got oh, your, an- Angels following you in the door. Yeah. You I got your <laughs> Jesus praise on and you know, <laughs> everything's. Yeah. I, so I, all of our traditions, I think, you know, church traditions mm-hmm. have that. It, yeah. and, it, and it kind of makes us um, want to wear masks, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, that is where, for <laughs> me, uh,
1: there was a great deal of uh, psychological imbalance. You know, there's, there's one, of, one of the things I often say today is that the church and religious people are some of the most um, psychologically conflicted persons or people on the planet. Um, we're taught to be very moral, and then we see, well, how is that looking uh, with regards to religion across the globe today? You see, mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. Uh, this kind of imbalance in what is what is moral and what is right and what is good and what is human and, uh, you know, acceptable, those things that, yeah. We, yeah, that we do. So. So,
0: so you're pastoring, you're working through, you're doing deep study and theology. Oh, yeah. And at the same time, as a 13, 14 year old, you you are you already were experienced some some conflict over your own tradition. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I
1: did. I did. And that just it just grew up. Um, The older I got, the more I realized, of course, you know, there's uh, there's several levels of understanding as you as you matriculate through the ages. And uh, I came to realize as a pastor that, you know, this is uh, this is pretty fucked. Uh, to be very very frank, um, you know, we are we're teaching people to honor God, yet they are they are so denying of their their cell, themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is the, you know, often I would I would say things like you know um, I, I know we love God and I know we love the idea of getting to heaven, but uh, we are killing ourselves with diabetes and this irrational eating and this irrational behavior that's causing us to be locked up or to be killed Mm -hmm. or to be impoverished. And so, you know, there was, there was a great divide um, in, you know, the, the, the true koinonia of my mind, you know, Mm -hmm. the the idea that we are holy uh, and human uh, seem to be in two different rooms. You know, they, they never, they never seem to agree or, were they acceptable to the institution yeah. of the church?
0: Yeah, I, I, I hear you. I, uh, you know, as I, what I've gone through the last few years in, in my own journey, what one of the things I had to come to grips with was the shame based sexual ethic mm-hmm. that I had really bought into as a young child growing mm-hmm. up in, in mm-hmm. the Southern Baptist tradition. And then and then, as a pastor, trying to be a role model, mm-hmm. uh, I think really carried some of that. I, I always tried to be grace based always knew that right. um, uh, you know all of us have fallen short, and there's grace for us. but i think I think even that statement sometimes still still allowed me to feel shame about yeah. where, where I didn't live up and and sometimes where I didn't live up wasn't it, it was really just human, right. Right. Oh, it's just absolutely. my embodied humanity, yeah. my yeah. embodied sexuality. Yeah. And I didn't have a way of actually embracing that. And, right. And, right. And so then that that led to problems. <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
1: Absolutely. As it as it does for all of us, uh, whether or not we want to admit that, you know, there is there is a psychological uh, imbalance. Um, Within many, you know, human beings who are religious, who are Christian, who are Baptist, Methodist, it really doesn't matter. Yeah, right, right. Um, there's, there's a, you know, there is a psychological impurity uh, because, you know, we, we don't include the, 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 the human side of, of, of whom we are, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And that's not to say that, you know, our humanity um, is off the gate, you know, bad. You know, the the idea of original sin is one that I have always uh, shunned. You know, it's impossible for me to believe that uh, God is so, God is so wonderful uh, that he, you mean he did all of these wonderful things or she did all of these wonderful things. And Forgot to clean us up before giving us this grace. <laughs> you know, so we're starting out kind of sideways if original sin is, you know. So there is, you know, for me, if there is no confidence that the flesh, the, the human side of us is prone to error. You know, if there's no, you know, confidence in that. And I think that's really what it takes, you know, confidence in the fact that. Yeah, you're human. You're going to make these mistakes because this is the this is the structure that you've been handed. Um, You know, before we got here, somebody gave us our name. Somebody told us what we were going to believe, told told us who were the good people, who were the bad people. And then they enforced that. And we just followed that out, denying ourselves and and going with uh, other people's notions and whatnot. And you know, so this this is what causes the imbalance. You know, we we have training wheels on our humanity, but we have a Cadillac to chauffeur God around in. You
0: know, mm. and that's, I I read a book oh just in the last couple of years by a guy named I think Matthew Fox called Original Blessing. Original Blessing, yes, yeah, and um, yeah, and it, it was beautifully yeah written book, and yeah. uh, he's a I, he's a I don't think he's a Franciscan like Richard Rohr, but I, he's a, he is in a Catholic tradition, but, yes. you know, just just like how many times people started the third chapter of Genesis instead of the first in terms of, <laughs> you know, a right. you know, blessing is, you know, I mean, yeah. those are the first words out of the gate, right? Sure, but sure. Absolutely. If you're, if you're in the Judeo-Christian um, flow of things, right? Right, right. But, absolutely. Um, but any anyway, rate, yeah, so you... So you're studying, you're pastoring, you're, you've are you got all this conflict going on, you're thinking through it all, and then you wind up in the military. Yeah. And, yeah. I would, yeah and did it, you let go of all of that? No. Like, give us, give us <laughs> that. like how yeah. do you wind up from pastoring and PhDs <laughs> in theology to military? and? Yeah. Well, I... And dojo. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have always
1: been one of those people. Uh, I, I I would happen to say I overcompensated for my not being able to rationally understand God, and so the military was. Uh, you know, I'm I'm somewhat of an adrenaline freak. I think we 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 we've kind of pretty much determined that um, I'm somewhat of a of an adrenaline freak uh, and quite just a natural adventurer. Um, I wanted to serve this country. It was an American ideal that was sold to me as a child. And I felt like I needed to contribute to that. I live here. Uh, I have neighbors whom I love dearly, a friend's, uh, you know, family that I love dearly. And I felt it necessary to, to serve, um, in the military and, and, and do my part to keep us safe. I, I did that also, um, while being in ministry so when i wasn't doing um you know running off and training or going on deployments um you know when i wasn't doing that i was back home uh doing ministry and studying and things of that sort so um and then you know martial arts was something that i started out with when i think i was maybe 11 or 12 years old you know mom was like you're not just gonna stay in the house on saturday and do nothing and eat up all the food um they they had (laughs) programs down at the local gym and the rec center and uh, uh, martial arts was one of them. And so I, I began a journey there. So, um, yeah, it's wow. just, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, so talk, so tell me how, how long were you in
1: the military? Well, my first deploy, uh, my first enlistment, I was in for four years and then I went back for an additional five years um, and then got out due to a, a knee injury. And, um, you know, it was it was time to, you know, it was time to 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 call it quits then. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I did. I did enjoy my time other than, you know, uh, having seen combat, I saw um, Iraq and and uh, that was that was a conflict that kind of changed my mind about, um, you know, how important it is to work on being a better person. Um, you know, back in the rear, as we would call it, you know, being being a good person at home, um, you know, and to help other people to develop understanding and, and, and love and compassion before um, it came to, to beans and bullets. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. So with all your education, did you go in as an officer? How- no, no, I I, I
1: was enlisted. You enlisted. Yeah, okay. I was enlisted. I didn't I didn't earn I didn't earn my degrees until after I had already been in uh, okay. and then, you know, Marine Corps OCS is quite selective. Um, and, you know, even with my studies and my my field of, of expertise as it was developing, I was probably suited for no, nothing more than maybe a chaplain. But uh, and that was not what I, w- I, wanted. Right. I wanted. Yeah. I wanted uh, the ammunition. I wanted the gear. I wanted to be uh, on the front lines. You know, test the physical dexterity of my body in and, and my mm-hmm. mind yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah
0: Yeah so so at some point you began to maybe you, you, you began to study Buddhism Yes at what, yeah. how did that happen? How did yeah. you shift from mm-hmm. this long history of Christianity, mm-hmm. education, theology, pastoring? Yeah.
1: Yeah. After, uh, you know, after um, my my tour of Iraq, I was I was uh, there in 90 and 91 uh, during Operation Desert Shield, Desert Storm. Hmm. I was a part of the first movement that actually went over into the oil fields and um, fighting with the Republican Guard. Um, I wanted to do. Something else um, when I, when I returned, I said, you know, I, I want to uh, I want to do something to help people, um, so it didn't it doesn't get this bad in the world ever again. So that was that was you know where a great deal of my my concern with ministry, my concern with uh, community development, my concern with psychology, even. Um, you know, really, really ramped up, you know, when when we were fighting over in Iraq, there were many people who were like, yeah, you know, my age and I wish they were saying things like I wish that I I wish that I could go, you know, I wish that I could go and fight and, and you know, having had some experiences, I said to myself, you know, that they have the wrong idea of of, of what this is about and, and also what it what it does to you to have to harm other people. They really don't have an understanding
0: of that. So mm. Yeah. So how did it, was it in the military where you were introduced to the different, yes, uh, different religions and then what drew you to Buddhism? Yeah.
1: I was stationed in uh, Japan uh, or Okinawa, Japan and there are lots of temples there. Um, You know, Buddhism and Shintoism are the, the main religions there. And so meditation, uh, became something i became quite interested in hearing that it calms the mind um, it is a deeper way of understanding the human self um, it is about compassion which was contrary to what uh you know it would appear that i was doing as a marine fighting um, it was really about compassion and being soft and understanding and things of that sort so buddhism really grew on to me and after i had uh you know i, I would say ascertained some some measure of knowledge regarding uh, the practice of meditation I, I furthered my studies there you know I continued to to read and, and take on teachers and gurus uh, when I had left uh, left the islands um, to continue to study I came back uh, to the United States and continue to do so and I, I still study a great deal today um, and and At some point studying Buddhism, I came to realize, especially having had a Christian background. Wow. This sounds so reminiscent of, you know, someone else that I've heard talking this way. And it was Jesus. Uh, I really started looking into the parallels uh, of Buddhism and Christianity. I was growing very fond of Buddhism and I had one point I really wanted to, to, to express that, but you can't do that in the Baptist church. Right. Um, you know, I really, <laughs> I really wanted to share, you know, like, uh, I think that the Buddha Gautama, is saying the same thing that, that Jesus is, is saying. So, um, you know, for many years I didn't, I didn't, you know, come forward and say that, you know what? Yeah, I am a Buddhist. But what I did was I started integrating the teachings. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes from the pulpit, I would teach, uh, teach from, you know, the Buddhist, the Buddhist teachings and, uh, you know, kind of say things like, you know what? And, you know, who else says that? Jesus. And then I would, I would carry on, you know, because you you can't stick with Buddha. You know, you got to come back to Jesus. And then people, people really started to get it. Mm -hmm. And after about, you know, like now I've been a I've been a monk for this is my 12th year. So 12 years later, after starting that practice of integrating Buddhism and meditation uh, into Christian theology, many people across the globe um, recognize the work that I do, which is called Bodhi Cristo. um, As you know, this is a pretty valid. This is a pretty valid viewpoint. Um, Mm -hmm. it, It is supported largely by uh, Christians who are in Tibet, Tibetan Christians, you know, they're Mm -hmm. very prevalent there. And uh, so they recognize, um, you know, the, the parallels. And so, you know, this is, this is largely what I do now. Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, it's interesting. I was a religion major at Baylor, um, religion and business. Mm -hmm. We studied mostly, christian history but but we also studied some of the other tradition you know faith traditions as well but then my and then i did a master of divinity and then i did a doctor of ministry at fuller okay and i was working on a second doctorate a phd in the hebrew bible um and i was down to the dissertation but ended up uh going to rehab instead so uh (laughs) <laughs> uh, and then since then, my my own personal journey, um, I really kind of, I was so, you know, and my story went really public and it was really humiliating. And um, I really went into a pretty uh, dark space yeah. in 2019, felt like an atheist, probably didn't really want to live. Mm-hmm. And then somebody mailed me a uh, copy of Richard Rohr's book, Falling Upward. Yeah. And it really took my, I would say it it got my faith off the ventilator. Yeah. Yeah. And I started kind of devouring Richard's books. And the other thing was while I was in rehab, I was introduced to a a Buddhist style of meditation, which some people just call mindfulness meditation. Mindfulness. Yes. You know, and then I've, I've been in a a meditation group for over a year now. Okay. And the the lady that I've, and I actually have done an interview with her, the, the 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 lady that I've been in a meditation group with studied with Sarah uh, Tara Brock. Yeah, Tara Brock. Yes. Jack Cornfield. hmm hmm And I've I've felt, you know, um, I've just really valued uh what I've learned through yeah. her. Uh and and um I actually um applied for their two year training. Uh, okay so, so I'm, and I, I would still say I'm a Jesus follower, but I, as you know, even before when I would teach on, you know, I'd always do a, every now and then do a series on all the faith traditions just to mm-hmm. help people. And I always say that we're always supposed to love and respect everybody. everybody. Um, you know, as I studied all the different religions, um, I didn't see them all ex- as exactly the same, but mm-hmm. sometimes answering different questions in different ways, sometimes answering answering the same questions in the same way and sometimes answering the same questions in a little bit different ways. Sure, sure. You know, yeah. I mean, you know, right. mix a mix <laughs> of all of that. Right. Um, but always felt like there were things I could learn from mm-hmm. all the different traditions. And uh, and certainly I'm I'm really uh, trying to, to grow and learn in mm-hmm. Buddhism. So we for the audience we met just last month at right. the, uh, Wild, Wild Goose, Goose Festival, Festival. Right. That's right. in North That's right. Carolina mm-hmm. and you were doing a talk on, um, the, uh, well, Dharma, the Dharma of Jesus, the Dharma, the dharma of dharma Christ. Of yeah. Christ. Right. Yeah. And I, and I, I went to it and I bumped into you uh, a couple of times mm-hmm. and so I just got really intrigued. And then Brian, um, Brian McLaren, who's Mm -hmm. I interviewed him here, and we've we've you know become uh, you know I think become friends in the last six months or so. He's the one that encouraged me to go to Wild Goose Festival. Oh, I see. Okay, yeah. So I'm kind of curious. So you run the Thomasville Buddhist Center. Yes. Um, and, and it is.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's in Thomasville and it's been in existence since uh, 2011.
0: Uh, OK. I, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I I noticed it and I don't know how to pronounce these words, but maybe you can just give us a little description of each of these, because most of my audience is going to be from a Christian background. but. Actually, I've got people from all over because I've been in the recovery world for about three yeah. years, and mm-hmm. so I've got people that listen and follow in the recovery world, the deconstruction world, and in mm-hmm. other other traditions as well. Right. So, um, so you said you you studied my uh, Mahayana, or Mah- I don't even know how to say these words. Mahayana. Mahayana. Yeah. And and Daishin. Daishin Zen. Yeah, Dice Zen, mm-hmm. And then you you kind of like,
1: is it Jainism? Jainism is a Jainism is a religion in and of itself. Um, yeah. But I, I'm very fond of Jainism.
0: Um, you might because, give us a little dis- like tell yeah. us what Jainism is and then tell yeah. us um, what these two types of Zen Buddhists are. And yeah. and maybe how because I've been introduced like to the I know uh, the Tara Brock. They right. do a, a, they're, they're a certain type of yeah
1: insight and uh, Vipassana uh, Buddhism. Vipassana. Yeah, right. yeah.
0: So um, I don't even understand the difference with all these yeah. things, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and one of the reasons I study so abroad is because, you know, it's kind of like a well-balanced diet. You know, if your body is, uh, you know, treated with uh, the necessary essentials for each and every organ, uh, each and every, uh, facet of you, you know, you you get all of the all of those things to nutritionally supplement yourself to survive.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, one of the reasons I study uh, so many other religions and and have grown very fond of the supplements of uh, Mahayana Buddhism and Zen Buddhism um, and also Jainism is, you know, because it, it provides a greater insight into the human nature itself um, it is um, So Jainism itself, one of the things I really, really love about Jainism is the religion itself is insistent on not uh, giving God a name or naming God in any particular way. Uh, this is, you know, very often I, I'm often quoted as saying, you know, if you define it, you'll have to defend it. And that's a that's an automatic response. Um, For instance, you know, uh, when we got here, somebody gave me my name. My parents gave me my name. And if somebody said my name wrong, then the first thing that I would do is correct them. You see. Um, And Jainism is not particularly big about holding to. The definitions of God, not even the name, not even the the mm-hmm. attributes itself, which means that God can be a bit more fluid um, in our experience and in our mm. awareness. You know, um, maybe I, a little bit more, a little bit more like process. Sure, sure, Proce, like process theology. You know, mm-hmm. the, the, yeah. So, you know, I said something just yesterday, um, and it, uh, and, you know, it was quoted. You know, if I if I take my hand and I shield the sun. I I really can't see the sun. I can feel it. I know to a certain degree that it is there, but um, I, you know, I'm not experiencing or seeing the sun. Likewise, if I hold any image of God or definition of God, then I truly can't experience God either. And so Jainism is, you know, to me uh, and to many others, you know, kind of like the platform of Letting go of those things that keep us down, you see. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Mahayana Buddhism is. I'll I interject. Yeah. One thing.
0: Go, go right Way ahead. Way back with Moses. Right. Right. And he's like going like in the ancient Near East, if you if you if you can name or even name your God, mm-hmm. it, in some ways it gave you a little bit of an opportunity to control. Sure. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And then when Moses is going, well, who shall I say sent me, you know, and like, yes. what's your name? Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, well, I am that I am. I am that I am. Exactly. And, and this is, yeah. That's that a is little and unknowing right there, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's a great deal of Jainism. <laughs> that's just what it made me think of is all. Yeah, yeah. Right. So even, even
1: in that respect, I think God is a yeah. bit more intelligent than we've been behaving, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get all right. labels. But yeah. Mahayana Buddhism um, is a school of Buddhism. There's, there's Vajrayana Buddhism, there's Mahayana Buddhism, there's Theravadin Buddhism. Uh, those are the three major schools. Of Buddhism and, and and all Buddhism is Buddhism but they come from three different perspectives Mahayana is considered the um, the the playful expression the more progressive expression of Buddhism it is based largely on experience as opposed to uh, like Theravada and Buddhists they're usually denoted by the orange robes and they're largely Asian and and uh, They don't uh, eat meat and they don't run. They don't dance. There are certain particulars to the rules of being a Vajrayana Buddhist that uh, they prescribe to. Uh, Mahayana is more expansive. Uh, It's really about the experiences itself. This uh, particular um, school of Buddhism really fascinated me and uh, really stuck to me very well because I am an American. Um, I recognize my experiences with religion, my experiences in culture, my experiences as an African-American originating from the South who just so happens to be operating in the world as a cosmopolite, this person who can go and speak to all people and, you know, somewhat of a world teacher, so to speak. Uh, Mahayana gave me the tools to broaden my experiences, in other words, in order to to teach people, I had to know their experiences and being a Theravadan Buddhist would not allow that, though they are largely relegated to the temple. They they live a temple life. But uh, many, many Vajrayana Buddhists, such as Tara Brock, um, comes out of the school of Mahayana Vipassana. Okay. Um, you know, they they're more expansive. They they experience the, the very nature of living. Um, mm-hmm. And so this is this is the particular reason that uh, I, I chose and still, you know, hold that uh,
0: tradition dear. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm for just for the audience, like for me. So, I mean, I you know, I could. You know, I, I I'd studied Buddhist enough to Buddhism enough to know some of the basics right 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 um uh you know five i mean the noble truths mm-hmm. four um, noble truths right eightfold yeah, path the eightfold path and you know understand a little bit of, of its history and where it came from and how it developed mm-hmm. uh any i even read like ken wilber's book um religion of tomorrow yeah which, yeah that was that was a that was a big bite you know right like, <laughs> like the book is Super yeah th- yeah and he he goes through some of his views of the history of buddhism at the, mm-hmm. be- in the beginning of that book the the four turnings he calls it right 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 the history i'm reading another book on the history of the himalaya mm-hmm. which he's diving into mm-hmm. uh you know the how tibet you know, became tibetan buddhism you know right the history behind that whole yeah. that whole area of the world mm-hmm. um yeah, the but, Tibetans you know, The Tibetans at one like, point were very savage,
1: uh, very, very unskilled, very savage people until Buddhism was
0: introduced. hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So but like for, for people who are listening, like the meditation for me originally was like I was experiencing loss and grief and trauma. And some of the things that led me into that were my own. I probably always had general anxiety. I, I, I was wrestling with insomnia. I had an overactive brain I could never turn the thing off. <laughs> and so uh, so the the mindfulness meditation uh what drew me to that was it seemed to, that I would find space to help calm all of that and and the science it seems like behind mindfulness meditation is really strong. Oh very much so. Yeah. You know Mm. And so that, so it was some of that that drew me initially, just like my own health. Mm-hmm. My, that's right. Right. That's right. And then I'm a, such a reader, study or thinker that, well, then that, you know, then I'm going to start diving into all of it. Right. But, right. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, that's, I'm just on the front end of that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So it's helpful for me to, to hear uh, your journey. And, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I see, so this Mahayana, yeah,
1: Mahayana uh, really spoke to me.
0: Yes. Yeah. Okay. And it's it's a bit more expansive. You didn't have to confine yourself to the temple. No,
1: I, I was, um, you know, I was uh, a what what the, what is considered a practicing Buddhist uh, mm-hmm. outside of the temple, even though I had uh, received transmission and received ordination. Um, I was still allowed to, you know, to live uh, a normal life, which is. In my opinion, um, which is probably one of the most productive uh, routes to take, if you're if you're on the quest to really know yourself mm-hmm. um, and to discover, you know, just how expansive you can be, you say you have yeah. To,
0: what's what's interesting to me is how many Christians that are going to churches whose churches maybe wouldn't encourage them to do Buddhist meditation or yoga, right? So they got to sneak off to do the meditation or the yoga because they like it. It helps them. Right. And there are countless, there are countless across the Christian spectrum that are sneaking off. (laughs) Right. They don't, they don't come back and broadcast it. Right. Probably, probably my problem is I'm talking about it on podcast. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But uh, no, I, because I find, I just find it fascinating and I, I love to learn, and yeah. um, and I've really benefited from the just the year and a half or so that I've had, you know, pra- yeah. you know, sort of practicing what mm-hmm. I have practiced, which I right. which I still see myself as a huge novice, right? It's right. Just, yeah. This I'm, is a, this is like I I really want to meditate well, but I'm not sure that I do. You know. It's right. Like, and, my, and my, that's-
1: that's a good place to be.
0: Yeah. <laughs> There's always room for practice. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, having, I've really learned. One of the things that I've really tried to do from it, and you might bounce off of this, is, mm-hmm. you know, how as a Christian, if I had negative thoughts or negative emotions or lustful thoughts or, you know, yeah. any kind of thought that I didn't think was you know, good a good Christian thought or good yeah. Christian emotion. You know, I would try to fight it, mm-hmm, battle mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. subdue it, right? Ignore it. Yeah, maybe it'll go away. Yeah, and, and now I, and then I, then I, after doing that for forty years, and then mm-hmm. I blew up away. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'm like going, okay. I want to be open. I want to be curious. Yeah. Why? Why? What, what's going on with this emotion? What's going on with yeah. this thought? Where is it coming from? Mm-hmm. Let's be open and curious about it. Let's hear what it has to say. Right. Very, and that, very, I've, I've never handled, that's never how I approached my own thoughts and emotions before. Does that mm-hmm. make sense to you? It, it makes
1: complete sense. Uh, one of the things, one of the titles <laughs> that I've been uh, given uh, over the last uh, 10 years is iconoclast. Um, I'm, you know, people recognize me as an iconoclast and iconoclast is a person who particularly uh, is on the mission of, you know, shattering the religious institutions, its dogma, its doctrine, uh, those things that hold humanity back. And to some degree, I greatly agree with that. Um, now, I'm, I'm not going to institute a crusade. Uh, in order to do that against the church. But what I do is try to educate the church about the human factors of being a Christian. Um, we often talk about Jesus and we often talk about Jesus from the perspective of being the Son of God. Uh, what we fail uh, very often to do, uh, very clearly, is to talk about Jesus being the Son of Man. Um, you know, those things, what did it take psychologically? Uh, for Jesus to break ritual, break rule, break custom, to sit down next to that woman and, uh, you know, and, and talk to her, even after she admonished him, you know, you, you shouldn't be doing this. What did it take psychologically? What barriers did he break um, in order to do that? Now, if we are to emulate God, and if God is, uh, you know, our the benefactor of the image that we that we bear, we are we are made in the image of God. Then those are the psychological areas that we too must be willing to explore. If everything about our lives is structured according to code, um, you know, code of code of religion, code of society, then we really are in exploring. Um, the other facet or the other aspect of of being God um, or being Christ-like. And so, yes, I I think that uh, quite often our religious, uh, you know, our religious um, framework keeps us from being human. It's interesting that, you know, uh, as you know, in the 90s, we started seeing this major downfall uh, of marriage, uh, across the, the, the board in Christianity. And when many of those people were, you know, petitioned for a reason as to why, you know, many of those people said that, well, I'm just not happy. I'm, I'm, I'm discovering that I'm changing and I no longer feel the same way in my body and in my mind. Uh, many of those people would assert that. I no longer see it the same way. When the body begins to fail, the mind too is also on the decline. And so some of the, the more vitriolic ways, the more vitriolic mannerisms, the more, um, the more dominant uh, uh, attitudes that we have, you know, those, those kind of biologically uh, regress. And so, you know, the human nature of us, uh, we as human beings really needs to be explored And I think that religion in and of itself, and particularly Christianity, we're talking here, uh, has relegated us to such a standard that for thousands of years has, you know, suggested to us that we circumnavigate the reality of our own existences um, and find the answers through faith and belief and hope. Um, I think that is what is what is clearly um, a crippling effect to the human being. Um, and I don't think that that is uh, that is what God wants. Certainly, God doesn't want to see the, the church in the condition that it's in. Uh, and how do we fix that? Do we come up with a new rule? Do we come up with a new leader? Um, in order to fix that, we have to fix the people that bear those those philosophies. And the, the only place to, to begin to, to reconstruct is to really firstly understand who's going to be who's going to be carrying these beliefs. You know, the, the human fabric of whom we are is the most important commodity uh, that, that that God saw fit to create and Jesus saw. Fit to say when it began to be so structured, you know. He said, "You know, I know what the law says, but I say otherwise." <laughs> you know, so I think that it is meditation. It is really getting to know, uh, you know, both the the profane and the sacred of ourselves um, that we find, you know, a, a balance. You see, mm-hmm. um,
0: yeah. I <clears throat> one of the things that I, you know, I, having Then you know, I've studied the Hebrew scriptures quite in depthly, almost to the point where I did a PhD there, right? But then I'm a Jesus guy, and it's so fascinating to me to you know, Jesus was a Torah teacher, but he was a a radical Torah teacher, oh, absolutely! And he he renewed, he you know, kept some of the old and you know, Mm -hmm. brought forth treasures old and new old and new that's right out of that tradition right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and in a certain sense we're all called to do that if i'm right if i'm hearing you we're all right. called to be to take what we've received right hold on to some of the old but also renew it transform right. move it yeah. forward and, and mm-hmm. what i hear you saying is that one of the things about we we have to embrace and embody, we have to embrace ourselves, our full humanity, mm-hmm. and then have a, a fully embodied embodied spirituality. Yeah. Now, yeah not absolutely. Denying us, but right. but receiving all that we are and allowing that to move us forward as yeah. we integrate old and new. Absolutely. And and my basis for, for
1: that, you know, for that teaching even, and I teach that across the globe. I teach that constantly is that we have lived, you know, according to, you know, there are three types of knowledge. There are only three. Um, And the mystical is to be found in in that also. But uh, the first type of knowledge that uh, all of us uh, are uh, given from the time that we are born is called explicit knowledge. And it is, you know, in preparation for your PhD, uh, your dissertation, there were some suggested readings (laughs) Um, and so people say, you know, this is, this is the textbook. This will help you. Uh, when we're in grade school, they say, this is the textbook and, uh, you read the information and then we're going to test you on it at the end of the, at the end of the chapter. And if you test well, then well, you'll receive an A and that is the information that we carry for the rest of our lives. That is also the information that, uh, many of us are willing to go to war for, you see, This is is this explicit knowledge. The second type of knowledge that all human beings are, you know, endowed with, whether we want it or not, is called codified knowledge. And uh, the root word there is code. It is the stop sign. You know, it's the it's the red light. It's the green light. It's the broken, perforated line that says you can pass. And then it's that solid line that says you better not pass. Um, You know, there are codes, there are do's and don'ts that society has set up for us. Um, But many of us, most of us on the planet, I would venture to say that just about 95 to 99 percent of us don't uh, experience tacit knowledge, T-A-C-I-T. This is the knowledge that can't be taught. It is experiencing the thing, whatever it is, for yourself you determining in your own flesh what does this feel like to you how does this resonate with your mind how does this resonate with your emotions you know what are you getting from that how is your mind structured um you know many of us overlook the fact that the minds that we have are the minds of those who came before us and uh, we are we are a suggested uh continuance of those people you know in, in many ways. We are beast of burden of history. We continue to lug it around and yet we don't experience ourselves. And tacit knowledge is what gives us that, uh, that, that true credibility of being a human being. It's one of the reasons that I, I learned this early. It's one of the reasons that I have explored so much and, and adventured so much because, you know, if I just go with the knowledge that my grandmother gave the church gave me or my community gave me, then in many cases, I would easily be stereotyped just like most of us, you know, into, into a certain perspective by other people. Mm -hmm. Um, And those perspectives, I would also be more inclined to defend, you see, because I've I've established that that's the definition. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, gosh, Bushi, Week, i could go on forever with you on this stuff. Um, two, two things that I'm—that are popping into my head. Um, one is, uh, you know, like you're—you're you're this sword-bearing warrior who's peaceful. <laughs> yeah. Explain yeah. that conundrum to me. Yeah. And then and then the other one is what? What might be your favorite space of of where Jesus and your Buddhism come together? Like you, I'm sure there's a bunch of ways yeah. that you've presented that. But right. what's maybe your favorite yeah. way that those two have merged? So those are two different. Yeah. questions. And, and what was your first one again? the the the, the sword bearing. Right. Right. Okay. Peaceful. Yeah. Yes yeah,
1: so, so so both of the both of those questions actually merge onto you know the 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 one answer that I'm about to give so okay. I, I I practice <laughs> I, I practice a very uh very ancient practice which is Hindu in nature, and it is every day um, this is my practice. this is one of the reasons I don't you know spend a great deal of time. Necessarily reading others, even though I'm very well read, Um, I spend much more time uh, in the practice of uh, Janamarga, Janamarga, G-N-A-N-A-M-A-R-G-A. It's a Hindu practice. And the practice itself is about intellectual dissection, intellectual dissection. Um, and I think that this is what both Jesus and the Buddha were both staunch about, you know, we often wonder, where did Jesus go when he was 12, 13 years of age and then came back as this, this young strapping lad? Well, one of the things that I I came to realize after, you know, studying Buddhism for many, many years is my God, uh, his responses are so dharmic, um, Understanding the history of Israel and uh, the Torah, you know, the law, um, his responses to the teachings of, 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 of uh, um, the Hebrew people, you know, of, of the Israelites, I should say, was quite intellectual. You know, one of the he stumped people uh, in their tracks. You know, the first thing that went to went to operation when Jesus spoke was their minds. Uh, And the Buddha did the same thing. This this practice practice of jhana marga is about not holding to the concept, but really experiencing what happens in the process. So much like process theology, seeing a thing as it is, not giving a name to it, not giving a definition, not even... Giving credit to the experience, but fully experiencing this this thing helps you to develop this sense of understanding the movement of a thing from from the most minute to the largest aspects of it. This practice of being intellectually um, uh, astute, you know, so to speak, if if there is a, a, a relationship between. Buddhism and Christianity, it is most certainly to be found between the works of the Holy Spirit and the work of mindfulness. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, mindfulness, the work of the Holy Spirit is to bring us to a sense of corrective thought, which would thereby usher in corrective reasoning, corrective viewpoint, and it takes slowing down so that we can get there faster. In order, in order to do that, so my practice of jhana marga, um, each and every day, I'm usually quiet for about uh, twenty-two to twenty-three hours a day. Still to this day, uh, okay. so this this hour um, that that we're spending together um, is largely fed by the silence of my 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 mouth and my open mind to experience all things. Um, and I think that is where they both merge. You know, Jesus said, uh, blessed are the meek," <laughs> you know, for, for they shall inherit the earth. Well, it's usually the people uh, who don't get into the fight that are left to pick up all of the goodies of everybody else who's been shot on the battlefield. You can pick up the wallets, you can pick up the cell phones, you can pick up, you know, those are the people who who have a furtherance But those who have defined themselves are usually the ones who go to battle and in themselves. So Jesus and the Buddha, uh, Jesus and Shiva, uh, Jesus and Vishnu, you know, all, you know, are getting to the same thing. You know, this this idea of destroying the illusion. What is the illusion? The illusion is whatever you define, because that thing will change. An intellectual dissection comes from being still to see the full evolution of of whatever it is that uh, that is evolving. And all is evolving. All is evolving in, uh, before us. And uh, so, yeah, that's, you know, that's uh, that's where the warrior, though, you know, the warrior part of me being a martial artist, uh, I integrated. You know, my mastery of the sword, my mastery of using my hands, my mastery of balance. Um, I use that also the same dedication, the same prowess, the same uh, conviction to allow my mind to be as precise in the awareness as I can possibly be. Um, and this is, you know, I think this is uh, what, what Jesus was getting at. Imagine if Christians today um, had such a surgically precise awareness uh, to see that compassion was much more needed for the woman at the well, the woman who was caught in adultery, uh, the man who's, who hung on the cross next to Jesus. Imagine if society today truly had that conviction, that compassion. Um, is what breeds the furtherance. You know, when you have compassion, what you do is you let everybody off the hook, including yourself. You don't have to hold to the ideals of, you know, crucifixion or or, or judgment. Neither does the person have to remain in a place psychologically um, to to you know to to be kind of strapped down. There, they don't. You know, so it it is. It, it's good for us to exercise the greatest gift that that we have, and and that is that is our minds, our minds. So that, I think that's what Jesus was was really getting at. If you change the mind, you can change the behavior. There's a song when I was a child uh, made by the group Funkadelic, I believe it was, uh, and the song uh, was entitled "Free Your Mind" and your ass will follow, and. <laughs> And uh, this this (laughs) very crudely, uh, this is so very true of us today. So many people are rediscovering that they gave up so much to the church uh, that they have nothing. They've they've lost their mind. They've lost their peace. They've lost their money. They lost their uh, their tools and their materials to construct themselves in such a wonderful way they've created of their lives, this, uh, this debauchery that they're now seeking to deconstruct, mm-hmm. you know, largely because, uh, you know, being a Christian, being a religious person, whether it's Islam or whatever is largely mm-hmm. about following and not being in the precise practice of knowing uh, for
0: yourself. You see. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah I think, you know you, you it's so interesting because you had people who and i'm sure you saw this who who hovered around church but didn't really take it that seriously right right very much so but but then you had other people who like took it so seriously that you thought they got a little mentally ill with it yeah right right you know? <laughs> Yeah, and
1: I think the mental the, the mental illness is on both sides. You know, to to be there and not take it seriously. What else could you be doing with your time? And then to take it so seriously and still be angry at <laughs> everybody else is not, not beneficial. Also,
0: yeah. Oh my, yeah. Well. Man, thank you so much. How can, how, you know, if people want to connect with you, what, how do they do that? What, yeah. What, people, where would you want to lead people if they, if they want to? Sure. You can,
1: you? Uh, the, the name is such an odd one, and it's one that's been recognized. Uh, you know, uh, people can find me. Uh, just Google me. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, Hey, Why No Bushi? Uh, you can find me on Twitter uh, at Bushi's Peace. Um, and then you know, you can email bodhicristo at gmail.com or visit the website which will which will share all of that information at bodhicristo.com. Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you do um uh, little seminars or like things online ever, like te- you know, like things I, that people jump in online with? Yeah, I
1: do. Um I'm I'm a reclusive practitioner. Um, but I do from time to time come out and I do workshops and those are usually posted or or shared through social media. Okay. Um, And so people can find out whatever, whatever I'm doing on any one of those, one of those portals. uh, Okay.
0: Yeah. And then if people live near you, like when the Thomasville Buddhist center, is that a, does that have a physical presence? Yes.
1: Yes. It's a, it's a 7,208 square foot, uh, uh, facility. And uh, we hold meditation practices there. Usually on Sundays, we haven't uh, really structured ourselves back to having in-person visitation since COVID. And we're the neighboring county to us right now, uh, which is Randolph County, is experiencing an uptick. Um, and so we have once again resigned our physical uh, services to online services. And, uh, you know, like, so people can find us, um, when we have our zoom meetings and, and again, being a reclusive practitioner, I encourage people to practice more than actual follow. (laughs) So when I do emerge to say, all right, we're going to get together. Um, this is, this is how we'll do it. It's usually in, in, in the, in the form of a physical retreat, uh, at one of the neighboring, um, host sites that that host us and they're usually taking place outside around a huge Lake. And, you know, people can camp out there and wake up the next morning and have coffee. And then we go into mm-hmm. some sort of practice. So,
0: okay. Very good. So Heiwa Nobushi, No, Did I say it right? You said it correctly. Yeah. Okay. That's H E I W A, you know, and then H I. So, and then the, uh, the Buddha, Buddha Christo, Bodhi Christo, Bodhi Christo, B-O-D-H-I, D-H-I.
1: B-O-D-H-I-C-H-R-I-S-T-O and, and Bodhi and Christo dot, dot, dot com. Dot com. Yeah. yeah. And Bodhi Christo translates the enlightened
0: Christ. Right. Yeah. Right. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank Such you, a my friend. <laughs> journey that you have been on and that you're going. And I'm so glad our paths crossed there at that Wild yeah. Goofy Festival. So
1: I, I knew I knew you were a cool guy when I met you.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you so much. And thanks everybody for tuning in to Spirituality Adventures. We'll see you next time. All right. This concludes today's episode. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Remember, if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to my YouTube channel. Remember to like, share, or subscribe to the social media platform that you're using, and then go to our website, spiritualityadventures.com, and make a one-time donation, or you can subscribe monthly and receive our special bonus content. Thanks so much.